public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice here to Paul Blue Demons, and you're listening to Land of Grinders, hosted by Miko Lewis Jr. and Stephen Ross. So today, Miko, we have a basketball-oriented show with a little bit of football, a lot of, lot of laughing stock about New York City right now, um, but we're going to move right into the NBA draft lottery and what happened last night. Um, it's pretty chaotic. People are going a little crazy. Um, I know Chicago is definitely, but Miko, what do we think about this new uh, draft lottery format? One thing that I was seeing a lot on Twitter and one thing I agree with as well is that it definitely ends tanking because going into the NBA season, you know certain teams that don't have all enough assets or the right players to compete that year during the NBA that they're they're going to put their the worst product out there on the court. They're not going to go they're not going to give it their all. They're just going to have a lot of G League players on the roster. They just they're going to have guys out there that really don't belong. And I saw that a lot with the Chicago Bulls. I saw a lot. I saw that a lot with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Phoenix Suns. Even though th- those teams have some players and some some good players on their roster to build a, build around, they're not there yet. And they they decided that they were going to tank this season so they can get a chance at a, a top overall pick. But with this new lottery format, seeing the teams like New Orleans, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Los Angeles Lakers take spots away from the Phoenix Suns, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Chicago Bulls where it was very interesting to say the least. I never really expected the Pelicans to get the number one overall pick. That was a shocker, and I know Zion was shocked. I know the world was shocked that they got the number one overall pick. But the fact that this lottery format allowed for this to happen, I mean, if you're a, if you're a team and you just happen to have a bad year going forward, I think you I think you should be okay with it. I don't think you should tank. I don't think you should necessarily tank, but – if you do have a bad season, you can you can still be rewarded with the number one overall pick as opposed to the last lottery format when those top four teams that had the highest odds of getting the pick, they those were the teams that you knew had a they had the best chance of getting the number one overall pick. But in this case, this year that that didn't that didn't happen at all. Like, what did you what was your what were your takeaways from the NBA draft lottery? No, it definitely kills tanking, and I think that was the NBA's big message to it all. The only thing that kind of hurts is now that we see, you know, you still, the Pelicans got the number one pick. They have Anthony Davis under contract for another year. But what what gets me now is, is these teams who have all equal chance of getting the number one overall pick, who are the worst teams in the NBA. We just saw the New York Knicks get third. The, the top four teams, I believe, didn't even, where the, the Knicks got the third overall pick. And besides that, the Cavs were fifth, I believe, Bulls seventh, and the Hawks were eighth. So you see like these worst teams with the worst records have these equal chances to get the number one pick, but we don't we don't really think about these other teams that actually can hop in now too. The Lakers hop from nine to four. Um, the Pelicans, I'm not even sure where they were mocked in the first place, but they got first. The Grizzlies were sixth, they were second. So now I feel like it takes away from it, it's getting harder for these teams to rebuild from the ground up because now you have the Bulls who who finished with a bad record, the Knicks who absolutely nothing going for them besides Alonzo Trier and Kevin Knox are now at third, where it's still in a good position, but, I mean, it's harder to rebuild with a third overall pick compared to a first overall pick. So that's where I feel like it gets a little tricky. Even if these teams aren't tanking, they're still very, very bad. So things come in their way. Like, you're not a superstar going to want to come play for a terrible team unless you're Kevin Durant, which looks like it might happen. But besides that, I feel like it ruined – it it helps out tanking and eliminates that entire process, but I feel like it it makes it harder for NBA teams to kind of rebuild from the ground up. Now – 
Now it's more on a it's more it's on a luck basis. At, going along with just the luck is now it puts onus on your front office and your scouting team to go out there and actually get the right player that has a chance and potential to actually help your team in the future. Because getting, I mean, ha, getting a number one overall pick, you you usually have a shoe in of a great a great player on your roster. But there has been a lot of great players in the NBA that's been drafted mid to late lottery in the second round like now it's time for like when you now the cap like the cleveland cavaliers for instance they have the fifth overall pick they don't they're not going to have a chance to get zion rj or john morant so now they're going to have to look at those second tier players and f- try to figure out of those players which one's going to help them most and which one has the most potential to become a, a, a star because in this draft i think there's a lot of players who has a lot of they have star potential I don't think they're going to necessarily be great NBA players in their first three years, but down the road, I see a, there's a couple guys in this draft that you can, they have a lot, enough potential that you can take a flyer on and see what happens during the course of their career. So now it's more, and now it's really important to make sure you get you sign that right player and you draft that right guy that's going to actually have that potential to be good. Now you you have to make sure you hit on that. And it, it, exactly what you just said, it puts more. It makes front offices have to do more work. Which is is also good because now it comes down to it. It's not like a oh, let's see who the top three guys are, and that's where we're picking. It's like we got to figure out who's the best guy in this class and who are the hidden gems and all this kind of stuff. So it definitely puts more stress on the front office, and I I believe. But besides this, who do you think? I mean, as far as the Pelicans got the number one pick, what what does Zion Williamson look like in a Pelicans uniform? Does that fit well with you? I mean, I I think Zion going to the Pelicans. It's kind of it's kind of bad for him just just because up until this point he was I mean he still is the most talked talked about draft prospect in in the recent recent years and decades so the fact that he is that he is an elite level talent he is a guy that you're willing to build a franchise around and trade your best players for just to have have this guy's talents I think in that aspect that's great for the New Orleans Pelicans as for Zion I feel like his markability definitely take took a hit with uh last night's draft because he's going into a small market in New Orleans and they already had two of the best big mans in the league on the same team and DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis and they had they got to the playoffs, but they really didn't do anything for, further than that so for them to have a chance to draft Zion and think that He's going to be just as good as, as Anthony Davis or better than Anthony Davis day one or even his third or fourth year in the league. I, I think they're going to be – I think they're going to stay in the same spot unless they have a chance to – unless they trade for some of these young players like, like the, that the Lakers are offering, that the Boston Celtics have, and the New York Knicks are willing to give them. I, I think that's the only way we're going to be able to see the, if the New Orleans Pelicans can actually be good in the future. How about you? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm in after the 20, I believe it was the 2011 season where it was the lockout and uh, 2012 or it was 2010 and then 2011, Anthony Davis was picked with the number one pick. Um, and that was when, you know, the NBA took over the Pelicans franchise. And as 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 long as that goes, I mean, it's like a it's like it's like a bankruptcy situation where the Pelicans run their on the brink of extinction. They're going to be moved. Um, no one really wanted to play. Chris Paul pushed himself out of the New Orleans situation before he got the Lakers trade vetoed and ended up in L.A. anyways. So Anthony Davis came with that number one overall pick next year, and we see that Anthony Davis has been an extraordinary player, but what has he done for that that basketball team in, in general? Uh, as far as fit goes, I don't see Zion fitting very well in New Orleans. The only way I see 
him doing very well is if New Orleans trades that pick and, and somehow lands his, his former teammate, R.J. Barrett. I feel like that would be the happiest he can make. they can make Zion. Um, but still, like, I, I believe that Zion's value as a person uh, and as a basketball player, his his own brand diminished in millions by the New Orleans Pelicans getting the number one pick compared to the New York Knicks. And the New York Knicks should be just upset. They they it should be one of the worst days of of their entire lives. I saw a rant by Stephen A. Smith today, saying that he was just pissed off at everybody and everything that walked in his sight, in which he should be because the New York Knicks are a sorry franchise right now, and just the New York City sports in general, besides the New York Yankees. Um, Zion, Zion does not. This is bad for everybody because the New York Knicks don't get their number one pick. Zion Williamson does not look right in a New Orleans Pelicans jersey. And what 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 are the Pelicans yeah. gonna? I mean, David. I believe in David Griffin because he is a great GM, um, and I believe that he'll he'll bring all the assets to the table to help the kids succeed, uh, even if he gets AD to stay or not. But at the same time, like it, it's just it's just terrible to see him going to a smaller market compared to New York, LA. Or, or Chicago. Yeah, because if he would have went to those teams, you have you have team the shoe deals like the with Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, Puma. Quick too. Quick. Got those type of those type of shoe deals are willing to pay 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 him a hundred million dollar contract because that's how hype the man has been ever since he left Duke. So the fact that now he's going to New Orleans, you don't really. You I mean he's going to still get a lot of money from shoe deals, but that they're not going to be able to market him as well as a, a city like New York, Chicago, and L.A. would have. So like I just feel like how his career is not. I mean his he has a lot he has a lot to prove on a basketball court still. But I I think it's a, I think it was actually a sad day for the NBA that Zion is going to end up in New Orleans because I mean Anthony Davis is arguably one of the best players in the NBA, but he doesn't really get talked about that much. Like we all respect Anthony Davis's game, but you're not seeing like you just you're not going to be hyped to watch a New Orleans Pelican game come playoff time or come regular season on on ESPN or TNT, you don't really want to see the Pelicans. You'd rather see see a team that has, I mean, just this has that, that markability and have a, a great team around their players. Because I mean, Anthony Davis has been on the Pelicans for about eight years now, and they, they made the trade to get DeMarcus Cousins, but even that wasn't enough. So I don't think I don't know where you're gonna go from having Zion on your on your team to Anthony Davis. It's like as David Griffin Griffin is a great GM. That's why I'm. I'm very eager to see what he's gonna do with with that with Anthony Davis because having Anthony Davis want to be want to um, leave New Orleans like that's I think that's the best thing that can happen for David Griffin. I know he's been talking about he wants him to stay, but I mean we all know that he wants that Anthony Davis wants out. I mean he he had a that's all for folks shirt on at the end of the season. He the guys were barely playing him during the course of the, during the course of the regular season at the end of end when all this stuff came out. So I think it's you you at David Griffin. You just got this job. You gotta hit up the Lakers. You gotta hit up the Celtics, and you gotta you gotta somehow get some great players and great young players and assets around Zion Williamson because he is your future now. I, I like exactly what you just said. Before we move on uh, to this, we're going to kind of go down the lottery, but before we move on, this uh, here's a piece of information I want to say. The difference in value between Zion and Memphis or New Orleans and New York and Los Angeles is a difference of $100 million plus. So, right it, 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 you know, that it just sucks that it turns out that Zion's going to go here. Um, and I, I think this is just a just a quick reaction, maybe in a couple years. 
I don't think so. We're going to catch back up with the rest of the NBA lottery after we take this quick commercial break. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice here to Paul Blue Demons. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Land of Grinders. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice here to Paul Blue Demons. All right, so Stephen... The Memphis Grizzlies climbed up into the lottery last night, and they now have the second overall pick with a chance to draft the second highest player in the draft that people were talking about in Ja Morant. Do you think the Grizzlies will take Ja Morant, and what do you think they're going to do with Michael Conley if they do make that pick? I mean, what 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 else would you do with the second overall pick? You got to take Ja, right? I I, I feel like Ja is a shoe in. Ja, they're calling him Baby Westbrook. I mean, we saw him in the tournament light up teams until they got eliminated. Um, but I mean, Jaws is shooting. Uh, I'm seeing now that Mike Conley, the Jazz are making a very big push to sign my or to pursue Mike Conley again, uh, which kind of interesting to me considering they already have Donovan Mitchell. So putting Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley at a starting position would be interesting. Um, I mean, Mike Conley's on his way out. Thirty, I mean, he's 31. He's owed 67 million dollars in the next two years. Uh, I mean, this this is for all rebuilding teams, and I I know that I know that you might want to touch on this about the Chicago Bulls standpoint, um, but I I think that the I think that the Bulls should just stay clear of Mike Conley. I if I'd have a red flag, Mike Conley's a great point guard in this in this league. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, if you're a rebuilding team who has money to spend and its financial flexibility, uh, I think staying away from Mike Conley in a rebuild process is definitely the wrong thing to do. So I could see Mike Conley going to. Uh, somewhat of a com- like a competitor, um, you know, maybe maybe Lakers send some young assets over to to Memphis, but I, I don't see them sending uh, a top four pick over. What do you what do you think is going to happen with Conley? I think uh, Mike, Michael Conley is a guy that he's a very re- well respected uh, guy around the league. He was the first highest pay- hundred million dollar point guard I saw when he when he actually got that that contract when uh, the late, the collective bargaining went up. So I mean he he's a guy that's been in the league for a long time. I feel like if he ever if he ever got traded to the Eastern Conference, he would have made a couple All Star teams in his career. But the fact that he was in the West and he he is there's a lot of great point guards in the Western Conference. He was always overlooked. I think Michael Conley is a guy that can help out a lot of teams. He can help out the team like the Chicago Bulls because Chicago Bulls are in win now mode now. After the, after they just after not winning this lottery, they're they're definitely going to shift to win now mode. I'm gonna, we're gonna hit back on that in a little bit, but. Talking about the Memphis Grizzlies and John ja Morant, I think, yeah, I mean, definitely, you definitely got to take John ja Morant because Michael Conley is the type. I mean, he is 31 years old. He's definitely starting to reach that uh, age of when he's uh, he's not as serviceable as he once he once was. But you get a guy like John ja Morant to pair alongside of Jaron Jackson, who you drafted last year in the lottery. 
I mean, that's a great foundation that you're you're just, you're right up to par with a lot of these young NBA teams right now that they've been doing over the last couple of years. That this this is the proper way to rebuild. So t- having a point guard, you have a nice power forward, three and D that it could stretch the floor, and Jaron Jackson, and now you gotta you gotta continue to figure out what you're gonna put around these two players because they're gonna probably be in the lottery again. But moving on, let's talk about the New York Knicks. <laughs> everyone's everyone's heartbroken in a, the city of New York. Everyone expected them to get Zion Williamson. That there was all type of edited, edited uh, pictures of Zion wearing a New York Knicks jersey, but that didn't happen. So, Stephen, where do the Knicks go from here, and do they still have a chance to sign some of those top free a- agents that's been mentioned with their? Did you see the person that got the Zion tattoo? Yeah, I saw that. Man, people, are, the Knicks were set. The, I don't the, know why he did uh, that. the Knicks. The Knicks were very set on the Zion situation. I mean, whatever, man. You you go down. You go down from. Zion to R.J. Barrett. I mean, it's not that big. It's not that really big of a deal because Zion is, I mean, all right, let me rephrase that. Zion is a generational talent. R.J. Barrett is still a very, very good talent who is a very good player. So it's not it's not too bad, and they need someone else that's in the middle to pair him up with Kevin Knox. Uh, and then, you, I mean, you, you have a starting three of, of Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett, and Kevin Knox, which isn't too bad. But, I mean, if you can land someone like Kevin Durant or, or Kyrie Irving in – free agency I think that definitely bodes for your chances to be better next year um as far as this goes I I don't even know if I see the Knicks picking right here I think I see the Knicks trading this pick uh with all with all due respect to RJ Barrett but I mean I don't see you in New York and there was an interview a long time ago uh with Zion Williamson when he was asked about playing in Madison Square Garden he said that's RJ's team so it's funny how the Knicks are finally in this position to to take RJ uh but I I don't see the Knicks taking this pick I, I if if they were smart um, and they do if they have their hearts set on Kevin Durant actually joining uh, their squad. I would definitely send this pick over to, for Anthony Davis, and then have the AD AD KD kind of tandem, and then if possible, maybe sign some guys under that. I mean, you if, as long as you don't get rid of Dennis Smith, and you got a Dennis Smith KD and an AD, I think I think that bodes well for everything you're trying to do in New York, physically possible. I guess. Do you think Do you think they take RJ, or do you think they're there's what they're gonna stay there? Uh, like the the New York Knicks are a huge mess, and the fact that they didn't win the NBA draft lottery just shows that they're just a team full of bad luck from the Phil Jackson era when he was there for a brief time, from Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire not getting it done. They've just been in shambles over the last couple of years, and the fact that they had uh, they drafted really well, and I believe in the 2015 draft when they drafted the unicorn Christophe Porzingis just to trade them this year for Dennis Smith Jr. and Wesley Matthews in in this pick, in the Dallas pick that they got. They took Frank well, Nicolina one pick before Dennis Smith, and they trade Porzingis for uh, – Yeah, so it's like I don't know what the Knicks are doing. I don't know. Everyone's talking about Kyrie and Kevin Durant's 100%. They're going to sign there, and now that they got this third third pick, that they, are, they will be willing to trade their young assets to acquire Anthony Davis. If all that stuff happens, then great for New York. Like, of course, they're going to be a, a great team because they got three great players. But I don't really, I don't know what I, I don't know what to expect from the New York Knicks because I don't, because uh, I don't know what the, I don't know what they're going to do because I don't know if they're rebuilding. They got, I mean, they got, they keep, they suck. They get in the lottery every year now. They got Dennis Smith. You just drafted Kevin Knox. You got a chance to draft R.J. Barrett. That's a great foundation to start rebuilding upon. But I don't know if the Knicks have been rebuilding for the last twenty years, so I don't know if they're going to continue to rebuild or they're going to try to throw all this money at these free agents. That's I'm just I'm shocked. I'm I don't, I'm confused on what the whole New York Knicks situation is because if you trade a generational talent and Christoph Porzingis for Dennis Smith Jr. and then you're willing to trade Dennis Smith Jr. the next year, 
I mean, yeah, it all works out if you get those three players, but you don't get those three guys, then I don't know what the hell is going on in New York. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, actually, five years ago today, uh, Steve Kerr chose between the Knicks and the Golden State Warriors, and the Knicks went on to uh, hire Derek Fisher as their head coach. And since Steve Kerr took that job, he's got three championships and maybe possibly four this year with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, Steve Kerr made a great choice. Made a great decision doing that. It was pretty easy. Yeah, no, I mean, at the time, I mean, yeah, no. The New York Knicks are in shambles. Uh, Let's move on to another team that's in shambles over on the West Coast, uh, the L.A. Lakers, who had the ninth pick uh, in a mock draft but moved up to number four. And um, I'm seeing a lot of different things in these mock drafts. But, Miko, where do we think the Lakers are going to go with this? If they – I saw that Darius Garland was slotted to be taken fourth. Like that's not gonna happen. Like wh- why would you? Why would you ever draft a point guard? You have Lonzo Ball if you if you are willing to keep Lonzo Ball, and you have great wings already on your roster. On your roster, and LeBron James, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma. So you really don't need anything from that fourth overall pick. So this pick was nothing but success for LeBron James and the Lakers because getting a fourth overall pick immediately becomes a, gr- a great tra- trade asset that you can dangle around to a lot of teams. A lot of teams, you can get a lot of uh, great things and a gra- great assets and players that, players that can help LeBron out moving forward if you – you can you can go get like you can go get like a middle tier player for the, with this fourth overall pick. So it definitely gives the Lakers front office a lot of leeway to somehow fix what Magic Johnson just ruined. So I, I mean, I, it would be nice if they can somehow dangle a, a Brandon Ingram in a fourth overall pick and maybe a future first round pick for Anthony Davis. But if they're if they're willing to still give up Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram in the fourth overall pick then Rob Palenka might as well step down as general man- manager the next day because that that would just be stupid. You know, so when I when I look at this Lakers pick, if they're really, really smart, this is what I think they would do. I think they'd trade this fourth overall pick, Brandon Grum. Well, all right, first of all, they sent Kyle Kuzma to the draft, and it, it's not even sure that Kuzma might be playing in a Lakers jersey next year because we don't know what the hell is going on. Besides that, if you trade the fourth overall pick, Brandon Ingram and Kuzma for Anthony Davis and maybe a future first round. Then if they were smart, they'd flip Lonzo Ball to the Bulls for the seventh overall pick. Then you got a seventh pick that you can move around for something else. And you got you can possibly take Kobe White right there, who would actually probably fit better with LeBron than any of these other guys that are in the draft. Um, I like the I even like taking DeAndre Hunter at seven because I believe DeAndre Hunter would be a good fit under LeBron and LeBron could teach him for a couple years before he he got out of there. Uh, Lakers are another team that's just a mess because you don't want to get rid of all your it, it, it's. There's two different sides of the spectrum right now. It's do you want to throw away, salvage your entire future for win now, 36-year-old LeBron James, or do you want to build for right now and the post-LeBron era? That's where the Lakers need to figure out what, what's more important to them. And it's hard to do both because LeBron brings, LeBron brings so much pressure to an organization. We saw that with the Cleveland Cavaliers where they were always trying to make trades, trying to do different things. To They, they signed Darren Williams. Darren Williams was playing playoff games. So they're doing everything it takes to win now. And it's going to be hard for the Lakers coming out of the West because you have so many up-and-coming stars. You have the Golden State Warriors still. I think the Lakers' only chances of being in win-now mode is if Kevin Durant leaves the West. And, yeah. I mean, now he's, now you might have Zion Williamson in the West too. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun going forward. And we're going to take a little commercial break. Um, we'll be right back after the break, talk more a little about, more about the NBA draft. Uh, you listen to Atlanta Grinders and Radio DePaul Sports. Yeah, we'll be Blue previewing Phoenix. what the Chicago Bulls need to do. Coming up next. That's, that's it. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. 
young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm gonna return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Welcome back to Radio DePaul Sports, student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You're listening to Land of Grinders by Miko Lewis and Stephen Ross. Uh, so we're going to bounce this right back to this NBA draft talk because this is the hottest thing going on in sports right now. Miko, we're going to skip over these two picks, Cavs and Suns, whatever. We're going to go to our Chicago Bulls. But first, before I get into our Chicago Bulls, I just want to say how disappointed I am about this entire draft lottery. Um, you know, the Bulls came in with a 12.5% chance to get uh, the first overall pick, and what happens? We get the seventh overall pick for the first time, for the third time in three years. Um, emotions, feelings, what do we think? For me, everything only the only way this draft would have been great is if we ended up with Zion, Zion Williamson or John Morant. So other than that, I feel like fall, we so we I mean we clearly didn't end up with any, we're not gonna end up with any of those guys. So falling down to the seventh overall pick, it just it just goes to show that tanking is never the right idea because if you look at the Chicago Bulls season, I know we, we had a lot of injuries and that really derailed the season this year. But if you look at what we have on our, on our roster talent-wise and Laurie Markkinen and Zach Levine and Wendell Carter Jr. and then making that trade for Otto Porter Jr., we have four founda- foundational pieces to build on right there. That we're fine. We're, our, our starting lineup is almost filled out. That's why the only person that really made sense for the Chicago Bulls to draft was John Morant. If we if we ended up with Zion, then we we shift everything around and we we have we implement Zion into that lineup somehow some way. But the fact that we did, we're not going to end up with John Morant and we do have the seventh overall pick now, it can it can be it can be used as leverage for us to continue to get out of this rebuilding process and go and transform form to win now mode because with our roster right now we're we're fine we we're just as talented as a lot of these teams already with Levine and, and marketing leading the leading the force. So if we if we can somehow draft a nice another nice young asset to pair alongside these guys as a nice 3 and D player off the wing or take a shot at a point guard of Kobe White or Darius Garland if he falls down to us. Other than that, I think we can somehow trade this pick and get a veteran. I would love to see if the Bulls can get Lonzo Ball. But I, I don't think this draft was necessarily – I don't think falling down to seventh was terrible for us because we in, re, we in reality really didn't need – anyone other than John Morant. He was he was the point guard of a future for us. So the fact that that's not going to happen, now is just time to see what the what Gar and Pax are actually going to do because they've been preaching that we're going to sign veterans this offseason and that's the only and that's the one thing I think we need. We just need those guys that been there done that. We need some some tough veteran presence. We need some guys that can show the, show our our talented uh our talented starting for the ropes and we just need we just need that uh that extra push going into the uh, NBA I mean going into the season next year. You know, you sounded very optimistic about the seventh overall pick. You sounded very, you know, we don't need it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm 
we need we needed something way more than that. I, I'm I'm the opposite of that. Where the Bulls needed something way higher. You know, the seventh overall pick is nice and all, but just from a value aspect, if you keep going up that ladder from seven, even if we got four, even if we got four, like it's still we'd still be in the same position where we're trading out. But it's like okay, we got the fourth overall pick now. We can look we can look at some options now. But with the seventh overall pick, that's just ugly. I mean, it hasn't, been ugly. In, it hasn't been ugly the last two years. I mean, Lori Wendell. I mean, it, it's not. It's not as bad as it, it seems. That's because this draft isn't. There's as nobody. Deep. There's nobody past six that I that I like that I'm sold on. Nobody past six. Yeah, that's the whole point, though. We don't. We, none of these guys were. None of these guys were going to help us win now. Anyway, we are. We're fine. We don't really need. We don't need a rookie to come in and help help us win now we need we need veterans to help us do that because we have enough talent on the roster already this seventh overall pick or if we would have got a guy like John Moran he's immediately a starter we get Zion Williamson he's immediately a starter and other than that we can just want to get a guy that's going to help fill out our bench that's going to be another good player that you can get some minutes that's the, that's really it we're not we're we're in a great position as far as our rebuilding process right now so the only thing only thing left to do now is to go after a guy like Marcus Morris, a guy like Nerlens Noel, and a guy like Terry Rozier, some somebody of that elk that can help, just help lead this team. Because we we already Zach Levine's going to be, I think he's going to be an All Star next year alongside Larry Markin. And so we have we have the two talented cornerstone pieces right now. So it's now everything now is about trying to make our team look like what the Denver Nuggets look like this uh this postseason. And that's having a guy like Paul Millsap, having a nice three and D player like Torrey Craig. That who who should have been came, coming off the bench, but having a guy like Will Barton come in and give you buckets, it's all about it's all about filling positions. I mean, we need a point guard, but it's all it's all about filling out filling out our bench and who's going to be uh, who's going to come in and give us consistent bench scoring. And that's that's what we need now. So I think that uh, I, I'm very upset about the Bulls getting seven. I I can I can tell you straight up that I was sitting on my couch. I saw the eighth pick. Um, I saw the eighth. It was the Hawks, and I go, "Wow, the Hawks got ten and eight after expected five. Wow, that's that's crazy." See, Bulls. I kid you not. I jumped up and I screamed. I said, "Are you? You know, are you? Are you?" Stuff that I cannot say on air. But I think the I think the smartest move for the Bulls right now is trading back, um, because to get three. I I think the smartest move is to send Chris Dunn, Robin Lopez, and the seventh, seventh overall pick for Boston's fourteen, seventeen, and twenty, and Scary Terry. Uh, I think I think that's probably our our best move in hindsight because Robin Lopez will not be with our team forever. Uh, Chris Dunn has proven to be a solid backup defender, uh, but Terry Rozier needs to start starting for an NBA team. Um, he was in a catastrophic mess this year with the Kyrie Irving situation. He's already voiced his opinions on it where he wants out. I think the Chicago Bulls would be a perfect fit for Scary Terry and his talents. And I believe even at 14, we can still have. A, a, there's no one. There's not a really big difference between the seventh overall pick and the 14th overall pick in this draft to me just because there is the top three players and then after that it, it the talent just drops off tremendously um I mean you have the guys that you can you can take a flyer on like your Cam Reddishes uh you got like Jackson Hayes who are all solid people in this NBA draft but besides that there really isn't there really isn't much people that stand out to me on a on a level that is just stardom and I think the best the best thing for the Bulls is trading back and and getting more assets and not having to pay as much money for for these veteran guys. I, I think that we should try to keep our spending to a minimum because when when it comes time that we need a max cap spot, uh, and but, I th- and I think that'll be in a couple years. I think I think we can land somebody. I don't think. But our max, you you want a max cap spot, but like we don't have an open only open only open roster spot we got right now is a point guard. I know, but I'm just saying in in two to three years when someone. 
that's highly coveted. You're telling me if if a big name small four, you're telling me if a quiet Leonard signs a two year deal. He's not. I mean, <laughs> all right, whatever. But I'm I'm talking like a guy from like that kind of level, uh, signs signs a deal and he comes out and you're you're gonna take. That's what building. I mean, that's why you're, you're going to take Otto build, Porter. You're going to take Otto Porter over that's that why guy. You're building through the draft. That's my. This is my whole point. I just, I just, it's, I just. The Bulls were clearly tanking last year. You have a guy like Ryan Archidiakono, Shaq Harrison, Timothy Luau, Karabai, Wayne Selden, Cristiano Felicio. Just that's five or six guys on our roster that was getting tremendous playing time. Clearly tanking, not having any. Any serviceable players on off our bench playing, and we were super sti- uncompetitive yes, basketball. We were not, we were not trying though. I feel like so if you get, you can get like a nice three and D player and throw them on our bench. We just need talent on our team now. As far as we need, we have enough like starting talent. We just need to add those veterans and add a nice player that that knows how to really play the big game of basketball and who belongs. But my thing is, we're clearly tanking. We end up with a seventh overall pick. Yeah, like that. That that's what really pisses me off is because you know we played such terrible basketball. Even when the Bulls were so bad, we were still middle of the pack in attendance. People still show up. People still show love for the Bulls. But at the end of the day, you still suck and you have a terrible basketball. You have a terrible basketball on the court. That's what pisses me off, and you still have the seventh overall pick. Like that—that's why the—that's why the lottery system pisses me off, and that's why I'm so disappointed with the Bulls getting seventh overalls because we uh, should be way that higher. Clearly ends the tank, and now it's time to go be a general manager. And you have you are, your roster already filled. You just gotta go get a point guard. There's that's a difference it. between tanking and just being terrible, though. The Bulls were just terrible. They were tanking. You, they were tanking. Look what they had on their roster. It's not. It's it's pretty easy to tank when you sign G League players to play for you. I I mean the only thing that I can really hope for the Bulls this year is is that there's no injuries. It, it comes down to Laurie Market and Zach Levine staying healthy at the end of the day, um, and you know we'll we'll see what happens after that. All right, let's rotate uh, from NBA draft lottery. Unless Miko, you want to touch on anything else? I'm done with the lottery. Done with the lottery. Okay, so we're gonna move on to the Western Conference playoffs. So last night was Game One of the Western Conference Finals. Between the Trailblazers and Golden State Warriors, and Golden State won that game behind Steph Curry's MVP caliber night, scoring 33 points, I believe. Um, are you giving Portland any chance in this series? I mean, I give them a chance to win a game. Other than that, that's why that's why I was so big on the Denver Nuggets competing in the Western Conference Finals over the Portland Trailblazers because I, I know what the Portland tra- Trailblazers are. They've been the same team the, over the last five years. They – if CJ CJ and Dame can have their marvelous performances, but other than that, they've never they've never had a, a elite, reliable small forward on their roster. That's one that's been their biggest hole. They've never addressed it. They still haven't addressed it. They they made some some good uh good pickups in Rodney Hood and Ennis Kander and that nice signing and Steph Curry in the offseason, but they never filled the position of need and that was a small forward. And this is why they're gonna continue to be a be a good team, but not be a great one. So as for as for them winning, uh, they can they can win a game, but they're not going to win this series because they just they never. I don't know who their general manager is, but he needs to be fired because this team has been very mediocre over the last couple of years. They're a team that are very capable of winning, but they don't have enough consistency to continue to win because they're your your starting small forward is Mo Harkless and Al Camino. That just won't get it done. Those two guys are really good, serviceable players, but they're not. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be your start. If you want to win a championship, you're going to need a guy that can give you consistent scoring at that small forward position and. That's why they're not going to win. As for you, what do you have to say about the Portland Trailblazers? Rip City. 
I'm riding with Portland, man. I'm 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 done. I'm done with the Golden State Warriors train. I I my belief in my heart is that they're gonna lose sometime in these playoffs. Um, I mean, you're gonna lose to Portland, right? In I, six games. My, no, I'm I'm my 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 guess is they're losing to Portland in six. Uh, I got I got Portland in six. I got Portland winning game two, uh, losing game three, winning game four, then winning two straight. Um, I believe that these guys can actually get it done. Uh, the Nuggets were doing the same thing that the Warriors are doing now where there's a pick and roll between Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and they come off the pick into a double team. So Steve Kerr is literally saying, okay, we're taking Dame and C.J. out of the equation. Who the hell are these other guys? Let's make them beat us. And I know that – and it comes down to they're playing, they're playing four-on-three basketball. So you got two guys at the front, so it's four on three, and it's up to the Blazers to have good decision-making skills and score easy buckets. And at the end of the day, these guys are terrible, but they're not that bad. Zach Collins is solid. Rodney Hood is solid. They had like they can do the Alfora Camino and Mo Harkless are boom or bust every single night. And if you get a couple boom nights for those guys, all you need is four. All you need is four nights. And I I believe I believe honestly that if Kevin Durant does it, this is all hypothetical. If Kevin Durant doesn't come back, Kevin Durant is not back after Game Four. Then I I'm taking Portland. I mean, for me, I really thought Portland would have put up a better fight than uh, uh, last night. It's game one. Yeah, it's game, it's game one. one. It doesn't matter if it's game one. You're going against the the two time defending champs, and they've been in the finals the last three years. You can't come out that flat. They it wasn't like the it wasn't like uh, Golden State Warriors really. Stephen Curry had a great game, and they were they were out, they had enough they had enough uh, players and they had enough talent on the court, and with those two, him and Clay Thompson. But the fact that they gave them that game, they had 21 turnovers. They were playing scared to start the game, and they played. They were playing scared to finish the game. And you were let they were they were letting guys like Jonas Jurekpo come off the bench and give them buckets. You can't if you're trying to win a championship, you're trying to get to the NBA Finals. You can't come out with that with that terrible of an effort. It, game one in Oakland, like it, it, it not, it's gonna be hard for them to bounce back. I, I, CJ, I mean CJ McCollum. He CJ McCollum didn't shoot the ball well. Damian Lillard only took about 12 or 13 shots. Like that's not going to cut it. You're going to get you were taking all these shot attempts in the last the next two these first two series and now you're only taking 12 shots. I know they were they were putting you in a box and one damn near but it doesn't matter. You got to you got to somehow go out there and score the ball or somehow get your make your teammates around you better. And that's another thing with Damian Lillard. I feel like he doesn't get enough assists during the course of a game to, to help to help get to help keep the Portland Trailblazers afloat when they when they are taking away his shot attempts. So that's not his game though. I uh, mean, it's not his game. His, he gonna he's gonna have to make it his game because they they gonna get swept. Nah, I mean, Dame Dame will end the night on with four or five assists, but his game is not is not making giving the ball to everybody and spreading it around. His game is scoring the ball in different yeah, I mean, facets, more and explosive fashion. More shots oh, he will, he will. It, and the thing is. Portland's gonna Portland's gonna figure out what Terry Stotts is doing right now is he's adjusting. Um, you if you're in his canner, you can't you can't come let Steph Curry come off a pick and roll and have a wide open walk in shot. That's not gonna happen anymore. There there's gonna be guys where they're gonna start getting up on him and they gotta have they gotta have helpers all around. Portland's gonna make they're gonna watch film. They're gonna come back. They're gonna make adjustments. They're gonna win game two, and that's my call. I'm gonna say better luck next year. Damian Lillard was talking about somehow trying to get Jimmy Butler to sign with the Portland Trailblazers. That's the best thing that, that that can happen for them. Other than that, it was a great series. It was a great season by the Portland Trailblazers, but they're not gonna win this series. We'll we'll see we'll see next Wednesday. Moving on, Eastern Conference tonight, game one of the game one of their series, Milwaukee Bucks and Toronto Raptors. Um, Bucks dominated Boston last round. Kawhi bounced around a game winner. Miko, who are you taking in this series? I'm taking the Milwaukee Bucks. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo's year. 
He's been he's the Milwaukee Bucks have been one of the best teams in the NBA all year. They just got Mal, uh, Malcolm Brogdon back. They got Nikola Mirotic. He's been healthy now, so they have all they have the two guys that they were missing before the playoffs started. So they have those guys. They have Giannis playing at the all world level. He's been playing that. You have you have a guy in Eric Bledsoe who's a bulldog who some sometimes sometimes he can have a bad game but I think in this series he's gonna be going against another small guard in Kyle Lowry and I think he's gonna have his way with Kyle Lowry so I think Eric Bledsoe is gonna win that matchup and then it comes down to Danny Green over over uh, Chris Middleton and I'm gonna take Chris Middleton in that matchup he's made it the first first uh, time making the All Star team he's been very serviceable all playoffs. And then you, I mean, then you have the superstar matchup in Giannis versus Kawhi, and I think when it comes to, at the end of the day, I think the Milwaukee Bucks are going to have a way. They have just they have too many uh, assets and players around Giannis, and that he that help, allow him to play the way he plays. That when he does drive to the basket, he can kick it out to a Brook Lopez, Miritich, and Middleton that can give him the three ball when they are collapsing in the paint. As for Kawhi Leonard, he is pretty much him. We saw that in Game Seven. He took. 39 shot attempts, so it's gonna, it's gonna have to be a lot of Kawhi Leonard for them to win this series. Who do you think is gonna win? I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, I I feel like all all great teams that we see has one ball dominant superstar dominant player, and has four players around him that can shoot the ball, and one decent guy still that can score the ball. On top of that, um, I, I'm riding with the Bucks. Uh, I know people are riding with the Raptors just because. Kawhi Leonard is is a man on a mission right now but if you look back to the times where Kawhi Leonard did win a championship it was with a bunch of legends so I I, I've never seen him do this before um and I I don't really believe that he can sustain this because I mean the guy was like he hit the biggest shot of the game in game seven first game seven buzzer beater in history um but I don't see him coming out taking 40 shots and, and winning a game against the Bucks. The 76ers down in the three minutes of last three minutes of that game did not execute as well as they ever could. They looked terrible from a basketball from a playoff basketball perspective, and that's on Brett Brown. Even though he's coming back, I, I think that's something that they're going to learn from. Uh, even though they won't have the same team going into next year, but the Bucks, um, I believe that the Bucks can get it done. Um, I think that I think the Bucks will be in the finals, and if the Warriors do end up beating the Portland Trailblazers. I think that the Bucks will will hopefully get it done. I'm riding I'm riding anti Golden State Warriors this year, um, even though the Warriors are always the best team in the NBA. We're gonna move on to the NFL now. New York New York City is having a rough 24 hours. This morning, New York Jets fired their general manager Mike McCannahan, along with their VP of player uh, personnel. Reports are starting to come out that head coach Adam Gase caused the rift between GM and CEO. Because of what's the name? McCoggins? McCoggins signing of Le'Veon Bell. Is this the start of a catastrophic season for the Jets? (laughs) I can't say his last name either. So (laughs) I I I was actually typing this up and I was like, oh, there's no way any of us are going to get this right. So I'm happy the question fell in your lap. McCaggins. McCaggins. No, so I I believe that uh, I believe that this is not a bad start to the season for the Jets. You know, I, I don't get why they, they let this guy spend $191 million in free agency on C.J. Mosley, Le'Veon Bell, and a couple other guys, Jameson Crowder. Um, and then on top of that, he drafts Quinnen Williams, number three overall, then three weeks later you fire him. That, that just doesn't really make any sense from um, a pro sport uh, just aspect. I mean, Magic Johnson stepped down last last game of the year. 
Uh, New York, I mean, New York City's just having a. They're the laughing stock of sports right now. They suck. I mean, they, they, they listen. Listen to this. You trade Odell Beckham Jr. if you're the Giants. The Jets fire their GM three weeks after he made all these moves for their team. And the Knicks, the Knicks laugh. The Knicks start celebrating when the Lakers get the fourth overall pick, and then they just look like their their puppy died when they get the third one. Like I mean, New York City is just you guys are terrible right now. And you guys like I I don't know what needs to happen. You guys need Jesus. You guys need to start praying because what what's going on in just that those the sports right now it just doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean the the Jets the Jets will have a solid year. You got Sam Darnold. You got Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Robbie Anderson, Jameson Crowder. You got a good defense, and Jamal Adams, C.J. Mosley, and Quinnen Williams. Like those are three. Those are three solid guys. And you got Morris Claiborne, hopefully coming back. Um, they, I, I, I see them being all right. But it's just like you know, the Knicks, the Knicks mess up, and the Jets go hold my beer. Like at, at the end of the day, like what, what's, what's going on? Like what do you see happening with the Jets for the rest of the year? I don't know. I mean, when they, when they made. When they made signing of Adam Gates with the eyes, and they, that when everything started, everything started in that press conference when his eyes were going all over the place. He didn't know what was going on, and he don't know what the hell going on now. <laughs> He's an interim GM. <laughs> yeah, the New York Jets. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know. I've never even heard of this uh, GM Mike McGannig, but <laughs> apparently the guy has been. He hasn't been. He hasn't been getting along with all, with all these guys. So. I, I thought that he was the general manager. I thought he was the one that signed Adam Gase. Was yes. that was, was it the owner signed Adam Gase? Or uh, did they have did they have a rapport before this? I thought I thought the general manager signs every single football related. Yeah, so I mean, if you sign if you sign a you coach, sign someone that hates you, they don't like you, and you get fired three weeks later. Like I feel because bad. of the coach, because of the coach. A lot of people said that they was a lot of people saying that the guy should have been fired a long time ago. I mean, after what he did with Ty Bulls, I think it was a report that he didn't want to pay Ty Bulls, and then he fired him like a couple of weeks afterwards. So I really don't like the way he did do, he did handled the Ty Bulls situation because I thought Ty Bulls was a really good coach, and he really didn't get a, a fair chance to to coach this team because I mean they they were bad over the last couple of years, but you weren't really giving a guy a lot to to build around. I mean, you, what your starting wide receiver has been Roby Anderson. He's just been a, he's been a solid wide receiver, but he's he's not like a big guy that you want to rely on and. I mean, you make then you make all these, but then the guy makes all he 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 comes in and he fixes the team up with all these signings, and then you just fire him. Like, I mean, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I guess they got a lot out of this guy though. So I, I now it's up to Adam Gase to he's an interim to see, GM now too, to see so. the future. Yeah, <laughs> he sees a lot. So that, he's, he, that's he's, what they're coming down to. All right, we're gonna wrap up tonight's show. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week at six thirty. Uh, you listen to Land of Grinders on Radio DePaul Sports, a student voice here to Paul Blue Demons, hosted by Miko Lewis Jr. and Stephen Ross. Thank you.